0: For over 17 centuries, the Church of Jesus Christ had been, as John the Revelator prophesied, in the wilderness because of apostasy, and Christ's church had been corrupted by the doctrines of men. On Tuesday, April 6, 1830, in the state of New York, a small group of people convened in the home of Peter Whitmer, Sr., No heads of nations were invited to this meeting, nor were the religious leaders of the day. No newspapers heralded the events of this meeting, but in heaven the angels rejoiced, and on earth this select group, under the direction of a modern prophet, organized the Church of Jesus Christ. The meeting was opened by solemn prayer. Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery were sustained as leaders in the kingdom of God and were given unanimous approval to organize the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The prophet Joseph Smith recorded the events then ens- that ensued. I then laid my hands upon Oliver Cowdery and ordained him an elder of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, after which he ordained me also to the office of an elder of said church. Although they had been ordained to the Melchizedek Priesthood earlier, they were told to defer ordaining each other to the office of elder, until the church was organized. We then took bread and blessed it and brake it with them. Also wine, blessed it and drank it with them. We then laid our hands on each, on each individual member of the church present that they might receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and be confirmed members of the church of, of Christ. The Holy Ghost was poured out upon us to a very great degree. Some prophesied whilst we all praised the Lord and rejoiced exceedingly. Whilst yet together I received the following commandment. Okay, let me read the uh, heading to the section first. It says, Revelation given to Joseph Smith the prophet at Fayette, New York, April 6th, 1830. This revelation was given at the organization of the church on the date named in the home of Peter Whitmer, Sr. Six men who had previously been baptized participated. By unanimous vote, those per- these persons expressed their desire and determination to organize according to the commandment of God. They also voted to accept and sustain Joseph Smith, Jr. and Oliver Cowdery as the presiding officers of the church. With the laying on of hands, Joseph then ordained Oliver an elder of the church, and Oliver similarly ordained Joseph. After administration of the sacrament, Joseph and Oliver laid hands upon the participants individually for the bestowal of the Holy Ghost and for the confirmation of each as a member of the church. So let's go ahead and get into this section now. Verse 1, Behold, there shall be a record kept among you, and in it thou shalt be called a seer. In Old Testament times, a prophet was called a seer, from the Hebrew R-E apostrophe E-H, meaning one who sees. In 1 Samuel 9, it says, Before time in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, thus he spake, Come and let us go to the seer, for he that is now called a prophet was before time called a seer. Contextually, this definition carried the idea of seeing that which was hidden to others. The Hebrew hosen, meaning one who sees a vision, who also was was also translated seer. Among Book of Mormon peoples, a prophet was understood to be a man chosen of God to speak his words. Uh, in Helaman chapter nine, it says, and now it came to pass that the judges did expound the matter unto the people and did cry out against Nephi saying, behold, we know that this Nephi must have agreed with some, someone to slay the judge. And then he might declare it unto us that he might convert us unto his faith, that he might raise himself to be a great man chosen of God and a prophet. Behold, Alma chapter 5 says, Behold, I can tell you, did not my father Alma believe in the words which were delivered by the mouth of Abinadi? And was he not a holy prophet? Did he not speak the words of God, and my father Alma believed them? He was one to whom God had given great power and authority. The Book of Mormon makes a clear distinction between a seer and a prophet. Ammon declares a seer to be greater than a prophet. By way of explanation, he states, a seer is a revelator and a prophet also. And a gift which is greater can no man have, except he should possess the power of God, which no man can, yet a man may have great power given him from God. But a seer can know of things which are past, and also of things which are to come. And by them shall all things be revealed, or rather shall secret things be made manifest. And hidden things shall come to light, and things which are not known shall be made known by them. And also things shall be made known by them which are otherwise could not be known." Uh, continuing, uh, that he's a translator. Joseph finished translating the Book of Mormon. Now he is starting to translate the Bible. Joseph was the only Latter-day prophet to be sustained as a translator and a prophet. Defining the office and call of a prophet, Anthony Ivins explained, "...a careful study of the entomology of the word and of the lives, works, and character of the prophets of old makes clear the fact that a prophet was and is one called to act as God's messenger." He is to teach men the character of God and define and make known to the people his will. He is to denounce sin and declare the punishment of transgression. He is to be above all else a preacher of righteousness, and when the people depart from the path which he has marked out for them to follow, is to call them back to the true faith. He is an interpreter of the scripture and declares its meaning and application when future events are to be declared he predicts them but his direct and most important calling is to be a foreteller or director of or or pr- of present policy rather than a foreteller of that which is to come continuing an apostle of Jesus Christ an elder of the church through the will of God the father and the grace of our lord Jesus Christ Every latter-day prophet serves at the will of the Father and the grace of Jesus Christ. uh, Verse 2, being inspired of the Holy Ghost to lay the foundation thereof and to build build it up unto the most holy faith. Which church was organized and established in the year of our Lord, 1830, in the fourth month and on the sixth day of the month, which is called April? Wherefore, meaning the church, thou shalt give heed unto all his words and commandments, which he shall give unto you, as he receiveth them, walking in all holiness before me. Heed the prophet's words as well as the commandments he will give us. Verse 5, for, he, for his word ye shall receive as if from mine own mouth in all patience and faith. It is not to be expected that the wisdom and the direction given by our prophets will always be immediately apparent. Faith must always be a part of the life of the Latter-day saint. President Harold B. Lee explained this principle. There will come some things that take patience and faith. You may not like what comes from the authority of the church. It may contradict your social views. It may interfere with some of your social life. But if you listen to those things, as if from the mouth of the Lord himself with patience and faith, the promise is that the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Yea, and the Lord God will disperse the powers of darkness from before you and cause the heavens to shake for your good and his name's glory verse 6 For by doing these things the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Anthony H. Lund said the Lord is in comforting the saints told them that if they would listen to his counsel the gates of hell should not have power over them and this promise is the same to you and to me inasmuch as we listen to the counsels of inspired men. As I understood that expression the gates of hell it means those things which lead to hell in fact are the entrances to it. How many things are there that lead to those gates? How many things we have to be warned against and which we have to watch out for, because if we yield to them, they will lead us to the gates of hell? Let us each and every one examine ourselves and know well the path in which we are walking and avoid everything that we know is wrong and forbidden by the Lord, well knowing that if we yield to such, we have not the promise that the gates of hell shall not have power over us. On the other hand, if we perform our duty, live according to the testimony which God has given us, We need not fear, for he will lead us in the paths of righteousness that lead to eternal life. Continuing verse 6, Yea, and the Lord God will disperse the powers of darkness from before you and cause the heavens to shake for your good and his name's glory. Joseph opened the gates of hell so that the work for the dead could be done. Those gates will stay open until everyone has had the opportunity to be baptized by proxy in the temples of God. The gates are open so that missionary work can occur. Verse seven, for thus saith the Lord God, him, Joseph Smith, have I inspired to move the cause of Zion in mighty power for good and his, his diligence I know and his prayers I have heard. In verse seven, the word him refers to Joseph Smith, but this verse also applies to anyone else who is given the keys to lead the church. For the saints in 1830, Joseph Smith was the prophet whom God inspired to move the cause of Zion. For the saints in 1860, the one called to move the cause of Zion was Brigham Young. For the saints in the, early, in the year 2000, the one who had, been, who had this calling was Gordon B. Hinckley. Today, it's uh, Russell M. Nelson. L. Stapley said, I bear witness to you, my brothers and sisters, that God sustains him and no one else in in the world today but him, because he has the holy calling of prophet, seer, and revelator, representing the Lord upon the earth in our time. He only has the right to revelation for the people of the church, and if all people would understand that they would not be tossed about by those who would seek to divert their minds from the church and its glorious principles, they will be fortified against false teachers and antichrists, and we do have them among us. Harold B. Lee said, We are not dependent only upon the revelations given in the past as contained in our standard works, as wonderful as they are, but we have a mouthpiece to whom God does reveal and is revealing his mind and will. God will never permit him to lead us astray. As has been said, God would remove him out of his place if he should attempt to do it. We have no concern... Let the management and government of God then be with the Lord. Do not try to find fault with the management and affairs that pertain to him alone, and by revelation through his prophet, his living prophet, his seer, and his revelator. Verse 8, Yea, his weeping for Zion I have seen, and I will cause that he shall mourn for her no longer. For his days of rejoicing are come under the remission of his sins and the the manifestations of my blessings upon his works. For behold, I will bless all those who labor in my vineyard with a mighty blessing, and they shall believe on his words. This phrase constitutes the test of discipleship for a Latter-day Saint. Elder McConkie stated it thus, The test of discipleship is how totally and completely and fully we believe the word that was revealed through Joseph Smith and how effectively we echo or proclaim that word to the world. Continuing verse 9, which are given him through me by the Comforter, which manifesteth that Jesus was crucified by sinful men for the sins of the world, yea, for the remission of sins unto the contrite heart. Wherefore, it behoveth me that he should be ordained by you, Oliver Cowdery, mine apostle, this being an ordinance unto you, that you are an elder under his hand, he being the first unto you, that you, that you might be an elder unto this church of Christ, bearing my name." Anthony uh, H. Lund also said, Joseph had informed the little flock that gathered there when the church was organized of what the Lord commanded, and it was pro- it was proposed to them that Joseph Smith be the first elder of the church and Oliver the second. Then Joseph ordained Oliver, and Oliver ordained Joseph to the office of an elder. This was not bestowing the Melchizedek priesthood on either of them. They held that before. It had been conferred upon them by Peter, James, and John. It was not given to them by the authority of those present the Lord had revealed to them through his servant... And had conferred upon them the Melchizedek priesthood, but there was no church organized as yet, and hence there were no officers needed in the church. But when the church was organized on April the 6th, 1830, then it was necessary that men should fill official positions in the church and do this by the consent of those over whom they were to exercise authority. As yet, the office of a high priest had not been given, but elders had been voted for and had been ordained, and they took charge of the meeting. Verse 12, and the first preacher, Oliver, was the first authorized person to give a public discourse in this dispensation. The first preacher of this church unto the church and before the world, yea, before the Gentiles, yea, and thus saith the Lord God, lo, lo, to the Jews also, amen. I bear testimony to the truth of these things, that uh, this is the rising of the kingdom of God here upon the earth, and as we have this with the organization of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and I bear that testimony in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. See you next time, bye.